this district uh, is one of the most Irish districts in Ireland, something like a Connacht area. And uh, Nulster Protestant never was planted, and or a few that was didn't yet live to settle in it. We had the ribbonmen and pinions and land leaguers, and the old clans are here with their old names. There was three attempts at plantations, and the ribbonmen come at night with their sticks on the door and give them so many time to go, so many hours to go, and they went now. And, and uh, Donamain, the, the, the took over Donamain, of course, it was the headquarters of, of Irish tradition and that, and uh, dating back to Manon Castle time. When Henry Morris was born a hundred years ago in Farney, that tradition was still alive, and there was a large number, one can say, I think, a large number of Gaelic speakers still living who shared this literary heritage. And Henry Morris, even as a young boy, came to know of this and came to know that this literary heritage was in danger. He saw that the Gaeltacht had almost or had died out in those regions. There were speakers surviving, but there wasn't a Gaelic-speaking community as we understand a Gaeltacht to be. And very early in life, he uh, set about gathering as much as possible of the surviving traditions and the surviving songs which were still on the lips of some of the people. And he devoted all his life to this, to trying to rescue from oblivion uh, the remains of the Gaelic culture of Ulster. South Monaghan, up until the famine, was uh, an Irish-speaking area by and large. There were areas where English had already penetrated, but in most of the parishes of Inneskeen and of Dunamoyne and parts of Maharaclun and even Maharos, uh, Irish was still dominant. It was only after the famine that it started declining, I think, in the Farney area. By the time that Henry Morris was growing up, the old people still spoke it occasionally between themselves. The middle-aged people knew it and spoke it occasionally, but most of the young people didn't know it. Although it would be foolish to generalise, I think, about this, because personally I met several people in their 70s in the late 1930s who were Irish speakers from South Monaghan and native speakers at that, and whose parents must have been middle-aged people when Henry Morris was growing up and who must have communicated a knowledge of the language to them. Uh, it's interesting that a Protestant clergyman in County Monaghan, when he was describing the campaign of lawless O'Connell's lieutenant just around the time of Catholic emancipation, uh, speaking of the great uh, army of support that he marshaled in South Monaghan and in North Louth, referred to them in a sort of disparaging way, as being people who were completely unable to speak the English language, which is a testimony to the strength of the Irish language in that particular part of County Monaghan in those days. Henry Morris became a monitor. He was a monitor in the student school when my father uh, gave him those... And of course, he was born... Born next door here. Yes. A small farm, a few acres of land, a poor 
poor man, he started as a monitor and he got interested in the language and uh, uh, Seamus O'Neill got this information and wrote it in the Democrat. Uh, my father was sick and felt he was about to die. And he sent Walter Henry Morris in the school to come up and write a poem that he'd, if he wouldn't write it now, he mightn't be alive the next day. And Henry come and uh, uh, he wrote the poem, but he lived for a week or two and he brought Lloyd and that poem is preserved. Henry came under the influence at a very early age of an uncle of his, in fact a great uncle of his, who was a very learned man, who had studied Latin, I don't know where he got it. He was a student from his earliest days, he had gone to London and worked, I think in the customs in London, and now had come home to live with his sister, who was Henry's grandmother, and it was under the influence of this uncle that Henry began to take an interest in learning. His father had already come under that influence and was a man with a great interest in learning, though he himself, the father, had only two winters at school as a young man, but he learned to read and this he cultivated throughout his life. The oral literature lingered on and was still quite alive, I think, in the days when Henry Morris was growing up. Uh, the Fenian lays were still recited. He tells himself in a review that he wrote of Scaly Oriela, for example, the collection of uh, South Monaghan and uh, South Armagh and North Louth folk tales that Joseph Legia edited, that he himself was inspired. Uh, to take an interest in Irish literature when he heard these Fenian lays being recited during intervals at the haymaking when he was growing up as a boy and that he was worried lest uh, they might be lost without being recorded. And therefore he got in touch with, uh, first of all, Douglas Hyde and then he got in touch with the famous uh, Munster collector of folklore, Padraig O'Leary, and neither of these was able to come down to Farney but he ultimately contacted Joseph Leedia or Joseph Lloyd, who at that time was <coughs> a clerk in the GNR and who had free travel up and down the country. And uh, Lloyd availed of this to visit Farney on many occasions and in that way recorded many of the folk tales, songs and traditions of that particular area. For this, we, are th we must thank Henry Morris and his initiative and his foresight and the only regret that we have is that there weren't more like him in other areas of South Ulster at that particular time to record the traditions before they were lost, particularly the traditions in the Irish language. If there had been a person like him, for example, in West Cavan or even in on the, on the County Tyrone from Anna Border area, we might have had more material of that nature uh, collected and saved for posterity. The first time I met him was when he came to the school in Carrickmore, that's County Tyrone. And I remember he wanted us to say something in Irish, and I was able to say a little poem of his own. Hawaii the Vag, Hawaii the Vag, Visaguni Gay, and Jukitu, Jukitu, a Kinu Namaha. 
and he was very, very pleased that I could say this. And I may tell you, the teacher was pleased too, because uh, I think the teacher was interested in Irish, of course, and the taught us Irish, Mr. Quinlan, but uh, I think they were a bit afraid of Henry Morris. He was a chimney, an organiser for the National Board at the time, for Irish. He, used to, he came on a motorbike, and we thought that extraordinary at the time, of course. This must have been around 1916. The the in the Henry was a big man, not only in proportion, in physical proportions, but in mind. And I remember his coming to Cashlin when I was a kid with the car, taking us to Mass, all of us packed in, the half of the neighbourhood as well. And uh, he used to enjoy the country food, the buttermilk, oat and bread if it was available, porridge. And uh, an enormous fund of stories, was interested in every bush, and every stone along the way, Polignassi, Polichari, Loch Nariboye, Lisnagonin, all the places around. Far Kiverkat Durata Adiam Agus the Gram Oregadan Gelekagus near Wailation Geleka Halu, Ervoyer Bay. The Narokachan Skolagam. Or a chakestra na paishi, a shanvan na shamanya heart, rogelik na skilti na danti gelik aku, akuskutora charoi garu. And shen or a chakestra armsa, kudye naitir na ro and shanvan sho na shaman sho. Agus tinshmishado, agus nye amskola, agus. Algodin <laughs> The company had to work as a amateur for naked geography. The Ranu Agri or the Gaelic and Tushkart. This is the image of free real assassin as Nam. I can generate and see us at the beam 
we were near neighbours in Clontarf and I knew him very well, I got to know him very well. He used to drop in to see me occasionally, uh, not so much to see me as to chat with someone about early Irish history. Uh, of course, I had tremendous regard for him from seeing him come round school, but especially for all he had done to save uh, uh, Irish poetry from disappearance. That's 
Art McCoy and the Kid the Hill Devolo and all the other things he published. Uh, just for interest, uh, it was he, of course, who discovered Ho Roche and the Bahawala. He got that from old Nancy Tracy down in Greencastle in County Tyrone. A lot of a good many people think that Pierce uh, wrote that poem. Pierce merely modernised it a bit. It was a Jacobin poem and began a hairlish oig victory Hamish. And um, it ended, I remember, uh, that cheerless old young Charlie would come back with Frankie Spawny. And Pierce then said, Gaily the heinous ni Frankie na Spawny. But it was uh, Henry Morris who, who, who first discovered this, these traces, the, 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 especially Nancy Tracy, and she and her brother, he tells about how he used to listen to them to this listen to them singing uh, in unison and it was one of the sweetest things he ever heard what he has to say about them shows us the henry morris whose feelings and preconceptions and enthusiasms were much stronger than his critical faculties when these two sang together he said around the big blazing turf fire you felt your mind transported away back a thousand years or more into the very midst of the civilization of the Gael. I have heard singing in and from every county where Irish still lives, but the recollection that remains as the sweetest thing in my years is the singing in unison of Eamon and Nancy Tracy on the side of that remote glen in Tyrone. A great authority in Irish music, he said, has since pointed out to me that some of their airs contain intrinsic evidence of having been composed for harp accompaniment, thus showing their antiquity. For it is many a year since harps were last played in the glens of Dark Tyrone. Aye, well, not the least part of O'Morris's contribution to the rediscovery of Gaelic Ulster was that very enthusiasm which he imparted not only to the readers of his books, but to the Gales who gave him their songs. He showed them that he, for one, valued their heritage, that what was at that time being devalued in the Gale tact itself was worthy of cultivation and dissemination. I would put three uh, of his works, perhaps, uh, uh, in the same category, that is, Kid uh, the Hjolta Gahid the Hjolta and Dante Gioga Ola, the religious poems uh, of Ulster. These three books, I think, would constitute uh, the most important uh, and the most valuable part of his work. And in giving us those books, he certainly gave us something which was 
uh, of the greatest uh, value to us and will be uh, even uh, in the future of increasing value and importance because in these books he rediscovered for us uh, what I might call the hidden Ulster. Uh, it hasn't been uh, always recognised that there was a hidden Ulster uh, because of the fact that the plantation of Ulster was the most successful of all the plantations uh, which took place in Ireland. It almost obliterated uh, the native population, uh, the native language and the native culture. I said almost, but not uh, completely. Uh, and uh, Henry Morris and a few others, but Morris especially, uh, showed how the Gael survived uh, in the bogs and on the mountain tops down to her own time uh, as people who had been utterly defeated in the 17th century, but who, in spite of that defeat and in spite of penal laws and of grinding poverty, uh, succeeded in retaining their own identity, in retaining their own identity because they, they uh, kept uh, their own language and not only their own language but the culture which uh, was enshrined in that language uh, their poems, uh, their songs, their proverbs, their wise sayings, and even uh, their sense of history. Uh, Morris himself made the point that it was a most interesting thing that the literary cultivation of the Irish language and the oral tradition and the speaking of the language practically existed, existed side by side in that area right down almost until his own times and that the writing of Irish in, in the manuscripts and the recording of tales and poems in manuscripts continued until the famine and literally until long after the famine uh, in that particular area. And he said it was one of the glories of the Oriolan dialect that this tradition existed as long as the language continued to be spoken in that particular area. As he himself said, the number of scribes from that particular area, if we, I mean the North, Linster, South, Ulster area, can be literally enumerated in scores. And, uh, for example, just before uh, Henry Morris's time, Art Bennett of South Armagh uh, was still writing manuscripts. He, did, he died in 1870. And uh, Matthew Moore Graham didn't die until about 17, 1878. And... Uh, Nicholas Kearney lived on until, I think, about the 1860s, and yet Pedro Galligan in Nobber County Meath, who also was a famous Irish scribe, traditional scribe, who died in 1860, and then you had James Coyle of Dungiman over in County Cavan, who was born in 1830 but didn't die until 1916, and who was still transcribing manuscripts around 1900. So you could say the tradition not only was uh, alive during Morris's boyhood but that he was a grown man it was still in existence and he made the acquaintance of people like James Coyle and uh, the relatives of people like Matthew Moore Graham of Pedro Galligan and of Nicholas Kearney and of many others incidentally and uh, retrieved and saved as many of the manuscripts as he could. He made a collection of about 20 manuscripts in some cases 
the relatives weren't willing to part with them and he didn't get possession of them and it's a great pity that he didn't because some of these manuscripts have since disappeared and are now completely lost and as far as we can find uh, are lost forever because they probably have been destroyed. So in that way he had contact with both the oral tradition and he had contact with the literary tradition of the area and uh, he did his best to uh, record the oral tradition and to see if what he could of the written tradition. He gave us an extraordinary number of works. These books which I have already mentioned and also others, Shan Okla Ola, for example, which is a collection of Ulster proverbs. Uh, this work uh, was based on a collection 600 of 600 words which had been uh, collected by uh, Robert McAdam and published in, in the Ulster Archaeological Journal. Uh, but Henry added to this collection, gathering Shanokla uh, all over Ulster uh, from living speakers. Then he also edited the poems of Art McCoy, which I have here in two volumes, uh, and he gathered the songs of Mead because 
again he showed us that one of the extraordinary things of Irish history was that Meath, uh, the oldest part uh, of the country uh, which came under Norman domination because uh, from uh, the time of Hugh de Lacy it had been dominated by Norman lords but Meath, although it had uh, come so early under a foreign rule uh, still remained uh, a Gaeltacht down to our own time uh, and there were Irish speakers there in our own time and the copying of manuscripts was continued there Peter Galligan and others working right down almost to, to the opening years of this century and Henry uh, wrote down and collected uh, songs uh, of Mead uh, he only gave us one volume. Evidently, he intended uh, to produce another one, which never came. He also uh, collected many stories uh, and other items of folklore, especially in Donegal. And I have two books of his, Ihi Arnil and Majin and Talashagoskiltela, stories which he collected in Donegal. He, he also uh, published other books, Gran Nogelica, uh, which were used uh, all over Ulster many years ago. I haven't a copy of any of them here, but I remember it was from those books that I learned especially to read Irish uh, when I was very young. Well, the Rodians Naharan are Higna Naharani Hain. Okulums are simply Horshirshin. Agus, but Jacker Dawson, Gaminic, and Rodder Hogalagart. Near Ward of a Clues and Wahiver, Agus near Ward of Hancher, Lord Gersalier. We could joke with Anya Gumsaru, Agus near Lordichet Cohan Salyershin. Horchin. Eshener a chachran an amani. Or grich inche the ruddy in shits and shawn or hogshe gart. Ach, the anchlinu a gramud under the vashe or hogshe hain. Agus pogali a herda yim. Er, her scripture she is nanoti kyol no fwin nor on shin. Oh, near scriv near ofehe kyol on. Agus bian in ye ergoni, not where the homas shinianu. Tashinle. Leo in Revra Atale Rahia de Holt Villa and Natchinanche Taggartoshin, Narons Noran Gunnan Fun Achmurve Ban Banchra Ra a Hail of Arkele. Es mil vigalia fani ir wamr drut. Wal boy krek yavrech te yuk fear wal in chaurach. 
Now, some people may ask me if the absence of heirs in his two great collections was a serious lack. I don't think so. I myself, on my travels, have come across both words and music of songs he has published still vigorously alive even in parts of Donegal where the language itself has almost disappeared. Incidentally, a great part of the credit for that must be given to the man who first encouraged a revival of interest in them. In reading through the songs given in Kied and Yahia, I've been rather pleased to see that the airs to which many of them were almost certainly sung were the very airs that I myself published later on in Cruisach de Chalti Olu. Cruisach de Chalti Olu, that title. And it never occurred to me till this moment. That title quite obviously owes a lot to the titles of Morris's two great collections, which just shows how great an influence Morris was on the thinking of kindred spirits in Ulster. For the title was evolved by Coltus Olu, the Ulster branch of the Gaelic League, to which Henry Morris made such an outstanding contribution. But that cruise act of mine has only 25 songs in it. There are other sources for Morris's heirs, even Londo and Cairn, and Oran we Shola, and the well-stocked heads of people like Ia Devaney and Condi O'Donnell, to name only two. <coughs> songs like Is Fadalomur Me and Kathleen Trail are now a familiar part of our daily listening programme. And just a few days ago, I heard Antalan Ur sung from Radio Erin. Songs like these are in no danger of dying out now. And that brings me to the last of Morris's great trilogy, Dant the Jiega Olu, which I believe to be the only Ulster book of its kind. In any discussion of its contents, all questions about editorship or the authority of texts, all disputes about oral and manuscript versions are completely irrelevant. In this collection of spiritual songs and canticles, we sense the hidden strength of the people whose more mundane preoccupations filled Morris's two previous volumes with poetry. We shall whistle on the vein. I guess your wildish cut and go out of the city's chantel. And yet, got a special door or Jehaga, a shadow has a gasnora and a lini, Hanukkah's dog or a cut dog arrow, a gasnew or dare like a lash. A gasnorchanish gasadish got a versi and ora and nervulish a horses. Narrote and chatter and not a mohian. A gasham rot of a guest here carwork or a shagado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Well, Rinchishin, Dohorakins, then Agarokorsair, Yohi Ardehe. Well, it's a good which is the Lickler Coronagarish. 
as a person, my greatest uh, esteem went to him for the amazing extent of his reading in early Irish history. He'd never been to a university, but he knew thoroughly the Irish annals and all the other Irish stories in, the, in, 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 in print and in manuscript, which concerned the period up to anything up to the up to our own time, practically, but especially at the early stages of, of Irish history, up to the year 1000 or so. He was really a scholar in the old tradition. He was. Yes. Yeah. Now, for example, he, he and uh, the old tradition uh, included uh, what isn't allowable almost nowadays, that is that you, 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 you have to specialise now very much in linguistics or in archaeology, wherever it may be, but he spread himself over them all. He had to do it. There was no one else to do it. For example, very interesting thing that uh, of his that I read afterwards was where he came on this reference to a place in County Loud called Ah, Ah da Arta, 
and he found it described by the old writer as Vadim Duaram Virtutum, the ford of the two miracles. Now, he was a man of great practical sense, and he told me himself that afterwards that he said there, there were no two, no two miracles occurred here, or one miracle, but obviously Farth here is grave, and he dug there at the ford and found his two urns, Julie found the two urns with uh, some ashes inside each. Another remarkable thing that he did was that he, Mulchart the Nagahal Kraken, made a tour of Ireland in the year 943, and there's a poem about it, an ancient poem about it, and Henry Morris followed Mulchartha and identified every single place name in that poem, which was a most remarkable feat. He published that in the, uh, the Proceedings of the Royal Irish Academy, the body of which he was very properly a member. And he was a learned man, and Queen's University uh, acknowledged that when in later life they awarded him, accorded him an honorary MA. Uh, his books show how dangerous, how dangerous it is to write Irish history without a knowledge of Irish and without a knowledge uh, of the traditions uh, which uh, exist in the language. A new book came out a couple of years ago about Onro O'Neill, a huge book. And in the, that book, the author said that Onro O'Neill went unhonoured and unsung. And I remember when I wrote a, a review of the book, I said that nothing could be further from the truth than that. And if the author who had written uh, that book had known something about uh, Ulster Irish, he would have known uh, not to make such a ridiculous statement because in Kid the Cult of Allah, uh, there are three poems uh, lamenting the death of On Rua, Kua On Rua Inele poem, I learned at school, Martad Yen the Gael, and Thoris Troy, she'll ever nail, she'll ever war a doy, she'll tile Gatres, Slicht Herlish, Kroga, and Gush. And Henry Morris points out in his notes uh, how the gale of the north lamented uh, the loss of own rule uh, because they knew that they were, uh, as it said, a, a boat gun steward when own rule died. Uh, that shows of course, uh, is, uh, how important it is to know the background to history in order to have a proper appreciation of it. And in all these poems and in the folklore which she collected, you can uh, get uh, sufficient material to build up a picture uh, of the social history of the time. The notes supplied by Morris are very, very interesting and definitely give us information concerning the social and economic conditions of Ireland 100 years ago, 150 years ago, and even much longer ago. Uh, he utilised his own great knowledge of uh, sources, and he utilised also his knowledge of the traditions which he had heard when a boy to illuminate the, the, the poems which he had edited and inserted in these volumes. And... Uh, in that way, they certainly are. Perhaps uh, in the light of 
um, modern research additions could be made to some of the notes, but at the same time, fundamentally, they are uh, as the, uh, they are val- very valuable contributions from the point of view of the light to throw upon our social history. In addition to that, I'd like to say that uh, he also was a pioneer insofar as that he was the first in that area to realise the value of the traditions which existed around him and uh, he also inspired other people. And I think that it was his writing and his notes and the books which he edited, the lectures which he gave and the articles which he wrote that inspired a lot of others like uh, Antar Lorcan Omwiri, Eamon O'Toole and God knows how many more to become interested in the literary tradition of North Leinster, South Ulster. He didn't confine himself to Monaghan, of course. Uh, he also was interested in the literary uh, remains of County Meath, of County Louth, of County Cavan, and in recording oral literature, he traversed Ulster from Rathlin Island to, uh, to uh, Teelan in southwest Donegal. Nor did he confine himself to uh, Ulster even, when he was searching for manuscripts because uh, he read somewhere in O'Donovan's uh, letters that a valuable manuscript existed in County Leitrim over in Kinlaw and uh, it was in the possession in 1835 of a certain family so Morris made his business to visit that particular family and bought the manuscript off them and the manuscript is now safely uh, stored in... uh, the, in the Library of University College Dublin. He, he looked on Ireland as a sort of miniature Europe and he, you could the Merovingian, the Carolingians rising and falling like that. He saw this happening in Ireland Dalgash, he used to show how they rose and then how O'Connor for example uh, blazed up for a short time in Donegal and came down again and he uh, was greatly taken by the, the 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 extraordinary similarity between the microcosm of Ireland and the macrocosm, if you like to call it that, of the medieval Europe. Mm-hmm. Everywhere he went, he was making contacts with people who would be of assistance to him in this particular field. And it is an amazing thing that this was only a sideline that he was also an educationist and when I say that he, he was actively involved and actively interested in educational matters. So way back in the early days of the Gaelic League he contributed a series of articles in 1907 and 1908 and was involved in a long controversy about the most effective methods of teaching modern languages. And again, we find him involved in a long controversy in Enclave Solish around about the 1912, 13 and 14 uh, period on the same subject, the teaching of languages. And some of the things which he adumbrated in, at that particular time would almost remind one of the Buntus method of the present time. And uh, he was a thinker and he was a worker. And uh, as an educationist, which was his primary, uh, his primary work in life, he showed both interest and dedication also. And this leaves his achievements in the fields of literature and in the fields of recording tradition and in the fields of history all the more remarkable that he was able to devote so much time to this subject as well as not neglecting in any way his own primary work, that of educationist. Actually, it would be a wrong thing to imagine that Morris was just 
a scholar living in an ivory tower. He took an active part in discussions. He took an active part in debates. He could be quite a, a, a very incisive controversialist when he wanted to, and uh, he certainly didn't mince words when defending the merits of his beloved Ulster poets. Henry O'Murrisa, Scholara, Scrivener, Shandali. 1874 to 1945 is the inscription on the commemorative centenary plaque unveiled last Sunday on the house in Lisdunan where Henry Morris was born. The threefold achievement mentioned covers inadequately enough the man's versatility and this programme of recollections and comment must also come to an end with many aspects of his work to save an entire cultural heritage barely touched on. So we finish with a quotation from Sean O'Boyle from one of his three great collections of Ulster songs. And now, in tribute to the memory of the man who rediscovered Gaelic Ulster, I'd like to give you one verse from Dante Giega, a typically Irish invocation of our blessed lady, one, I feel sure, was often on the lips of Henry Morris. A grievous jisha da il ri ravi a chahir na hagna sa skahin a chrawi is tesamachimirke in yeram hamna agus esther let mur nyester lumsa.